Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. This week on What's Up, we're joined by the folks from the Native American Student and Community Center, the NASCC, a vital resource here on campus, both when we're able to be here together physically and still out there providing services and support to the community during our virtual Zoom times during this pandemic. As always, there are links to all of the information discussed within the episode, as well as a few opportunities to get involved if you're listening to this during winter term 2021 or soon thereafter. I encourage you to please take a minute to take a peek and engage to your capacity. Let's jump right into the episode. So thank you all again um, for taking the time to collaborate with us and being here. Um, if you wouldn't mind, um, go ahead and like introduce yourselves with names, pronouns, how you got involved with the Native American Student and Community Center at PSU and what your role within it is. Uh, name is Trevina Brings Plenty. I'm the Native American Student Services Coordinator. Uh, pronouns are he, him, his. Um, how I got involved in my role within uh, the NASC or the, the bigger um, department, Diversity and Multicultural Student Services. Uh, I was hired on in 2016. Um, there, uh, the opportunity became available when the previous coordinator retired. And so, you know, uh, I thought about uh, returning back to academia, not sure really what that may look like. And so my previous job was working at a local nonprofit with uh, foster foster families. So working in their foster care department, um, getting families housed and case managing them as they, you know, stay housed and, you know, hopefully the next steps of increasing their, their income. And so, you know, I... Since it was a nonprofit, it was based around grants, and my grant got cut in half. So, kind of these things, uh, these opportunities popped up to uh, come over either to here or go work for the uh, Department of Human Services, DHS. Um, and so, I had to weigh that decision do I want to continue to work with families within the state system, or do I want to start to head toward? academia uh, to whatever capacity that may be and happen to be student affairs as part of that and also working with uh, applying some of my skill set and knowledge of um, indigenous issues, um, Native American perspectives. So I thought, yeah, um, I would like to do that. So I put in my, put my name in the hat and, you know, did the process and was able to get hired on. Uh, my name's Yolanda Saguero. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, Yakima Warm Springs and Mexican is how I identify. Uh, I got involved with the Native Center as an alumni or as a student, so I'm a current alumni. Um, and so that's how I'm that's how I, you know, known about the Native Center is by actually being a student and accessing all the resources that are available. Um, and then 
I was working for the state of Oregon uh, as a child protective service worker when this job opportunity came up and the timing was just good because the, the job announcement was open previously, but it was the first time that uh, I was in a place where I could transition. Uh, yeah. And um, my name is Robert Franklin. I'm the manager, the current manager of the Native American Student and Community Center. Um, he, him, his pronouns, um, Dene from Cameron, Arizona. Uh, how I got involved with NASCC, uh, pretty much, uh, I graduated college in 2017 from Northern Arizona University. Uh, I got my degree in, um, visual communications, emphasis in graphic design and a minor in advertising. Um, so it makes perfect sense that I'm, I'm the manager of the, uh, Native American Student and Community Center. Um, basically the way I got the job, someone uh, from the community, um, here in Portland sent me an email letting me know that, Hey, there's a position open at PSU, um, and that I should apply, be perfect for it. So I put in an application, sent in my resume. Um, it wasn't exactly a design focus that I had hoped, but Portland and being here, uh, the plan was to just kind of be part of the, or inside uh, the same ecosystem as some of my uh, creative uh, design heroes are in. So um, that's what brought me out here. And then the plan was kind of like to feel it out and see if I, if I, if I stuck with the part um, or, or continue applying for design gigs around town. And uh, thankfully everything kind of fell into place and uh, turns out that I really enjoy working um, at the NASCC, I enjoy working with students. I enjoy just kind of, <laughs> it, sound, it's, it sounds kind of not, not really mean, but uh, a certain perspective uh, when, when I say this out loud, but it, I mean it in the most lovingly uh, supportive way possible. But I do enjoy working with students and I enjoy um, um, seeing them uh, struggle and, and, and uh, persevere and overcome and succeed. Because uh, that that's something that we get to see firsthand uh, daily, um, and I, I, I specifically am seeing it now with uh, COVID going on and having students try to um, well not try they are doing it <laughs> um, work from home um, on these special projects that we're working on, and uh, I, I do enjoy it. And uh, so far, I'm, I'm having a good a good experience. I've been here for about three years, so we'll see how much longer I can avoid uh, that itch of design. Currently, thankfully, I am also teaching um, in the School of uh, Art and Design under the, in the Graphic Design School. I'm teaching uh, branding and then uh, next term uh, information system. So I'm able to scratch it a little bit, but teaching branding just makes me miss branding and doing logos and putting things together and, and uh, all of that. So um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how much longer I'm, I'm still around. So, yeah. Well, I thank you all again for your time and being here together. Um, just to kind of bounce off what, what you said, Robert, I just, the um, that resiliency and being able to see that, I feel like anybody, like even as like a student working with, within like the student, you know, uh, support um, networks around campus, I feel like being able to see the Right, like folks like struggling and then like moving through that, those growth opportunities are like why we're here. And it's 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 hard to see, but also really like beautiful and wonderful too. So thank you for sharing that. No, I totally, totally agree. Um, to kind of just like jump right into like what we're talking about. Um, do y'all want to kind of describe like who uses the center um and what does the NASCC community look like here at PSU? Yeah, 
I think Robert can primer the center. <laughs> um, the center, it's, it's been a very fun journey, learning and understanding and uh, finally being included in, in kind of some of the community, uh, uh, I don't know, roles or, or, or functions. Um, NASCC, it, it stated, if you want to uh, break it down to just the building, the Native American Student and Community Center. Um, I've run, uh, interesting enough, I run into some meetings just recently where it's like, um, your, your name has community in the building. So you function differently. Therefore, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, whereas other parts on campus aren't able to do that. So um, it's really cool in that, 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 that regard. Um, so we do have um, a student focus. Uh, we, we definitely um, kind of focus on the students, PSU students, uh, Native students, uh, Indigenous students, um, and then the PSU community, and then the out larger uh, PDX community. Um, it's been a unique, um, I don't know, experience altogether, because we have so many people interested in what the NASCC does, what events are going on, what the student groups are doing. Um, it, it's, it's a very uh, engaged uh, community, and um, uh, they, they are involved on many levels, but I've noticed lately, you kind of see that evolve over time. Um, the community as it was when the building first opened is a different, is starting to change a little bit uh, today in 2021. So um, yeah, community, the, <laughs> the building is awesome because of the community um, just overall. So if anyone wants to add to that. I can add. Um, so Robert mentioned students. Uh, staff, faculty, specifically Indigenous Nation Studies, faculty, community members, tribes, alumni, families, and children, and folks who pay and reserve a conference room or the main gathering space. And then of course we have um, specifically our student groups, so our Pacific Islander Club, ACES, American Indigenous Students in Higher Education, sorry, ACES, American Indian Science and Engineering Society, and then UCHI, United Indigenous Students in Higher Education. Yeah, the, the community portion of the title and the name, um, you know, that's a lot of unpacking from that. Um, you know, that can be contentious if folks don't feel like they're part of a community and if they're feeling some sense of not being included or they self-isolate, whatever they may be, with community, it could be that way. So kind of branch it out to the idea of, I read it in an article about, you know, the idea of pods, you know, everyone has their own little pods of groups of people they actually know that, you know, interact with other pods and potentially, yeah, we have groups of students that either in those student groups form their own pod and move about and use the building for whatever events is there. Um, uh, one idea to think about that and as well, you know, the classes that happen there. So you get another component of the overall PSU community coming in to a different capacity other than the students who use it uh, more often. So the trying to get understand of how these intersect with a lot of folks. And, you know, uh, Yolanda and my positions, um, at least within organizational structures, a little bit different 
And I, th I think it, what it is is adding to uh, the, the building, the center itself of other offering of services. And so we're, you know, at least for with with me in my role and um, working with a retention program with a small cohort of students within the program um, is adding those other elements to the buildings services provided for all students because you know I still connect with a lot of students for many different reasons um, and so at least some of the um, philosophy is at least for retention services is that first year because we focus on first year students um, transfer students um, low-income students um, that first year at the institution is important if they're able to complete that first year then you know more likely they complete their degree four or five six years down the line um, so that connection and so my role in that is overseeing the program but also I, I feel you know, folks are more able to feel comfortable or be part of a community, a sense of community, if they have someone to connect with. So relationship building, relationship building is important on my end. And so I have to know, like, not only connecting students to resources, but helping them uh, have some questions answered and also some, maybe some, there are some questions that they even know they had to know uh, answers to. So. I'm able to input some of the informations and, um, you know, having done this for a couple of years, I see patterns and within those patterns, I can say, here are some different outcomes. If I see students, you know, going through these different steps of disengagement or maybe academics are starting to be impacted. And, you know, as our approach in the retention programs focused around holistic approaches to working with students. So we're looking at other aspects that may impact success of students at Portland State. Yeah, I think, I think overall there's many different communities. I think that's kind of why we played with the find your community in our working logo as it is or the emblem that we are using because um, there's so many different communities there. Uh, there's that the PSU community, the PDX community, um, student groups all bring their own communities. Trevino's MRS uh, retention program has their own community. Yolanda and the cultural resource centers have their own community. Um, and the students, the, the student employees that I work with, they have their own communities. And not only that, the PSU and those other student groups that use the building, they bring their own community. So um, it, the building is definitely a gathering space <laughs> in all aspects of that word for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, you all said like, yeah, definitely just having the ability to have folks that are willing to facilitate a space to like gather and have that community and also like a physical look, which is so fun during these virtual times for anyone that's like listening to the future recording this during um, 2021 now, but still during like the Zoom times of PSU. Um, and, it, and it's hard to like have that, but just uh, right to feel like you have that community still, but just knowing that there's y'all folks that are out there that are doing this primarily as a job to help curate those spaces I think is wonderful um and and hopefully soon hopefully soon we'll get back to like the physical locations um I think uh Yolanda and Trevino you both um kind of touched on uh I think of a few of the different like services and, and programs that you all offer um but would you all like to um just kind of like elaborate a little bit more on exactly um like what programs and services are at, like housed within the NESDC yeah, um, I'm not sure where I froze in my responses, but yeah, uh, I oversee. 
Okay. Uh, multicultural retention services within diversity multicultural student services um, oversee the nation's program, which, you know, uh, we, um, we're, we're looking at Native American, Alaska Native students um, and, you know, building a community within communities so students can have a, a space to have these conversations and especially with that cohort of first generation uh, low income students, um, the shared experiences that they have with uh, each other and also because it's a mentor mentee relationship, the mentors have gone through the program before or do meet the demographic of uh, low income first generation students can help those incoming mentees for that first year and help them um, acclimate to higher ed and you know aid in that uh, that sense of perseverance that students have going into higher ed and you know making sure hopefully um, acknowledging barriers there and overcoming barriers as they come along and strategies around that to get their needs met. Yeah, I would just add, um, so part of my job is um, working with students doing programming at the center. Um, and so besides programming and volunteering, um, you know, in Trevino's program, Retention Services, um, but we also have like a computer lab, conference rooms, a fireplace, couches, children's area. Um, Trevino was co-facilitating a men's support group, um, beating circles, that's um, put on by our student groups. Um, and so, yeah, those are some of the things that we offer. Um, yeah, and then throughout, you know, the campus community and like groups and organizations, um, you know, within, um, a lot of folks have like annual um, events or celebrations that they have. Um, within the NASCC, are there any um, major events or times of the year that y'all like celebrate or do things for? We generally celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day every year. That happens in October. Uh, in spring, we have an annual powwow and salmon bake, which is organized by our student groups. Um, at the end of the year, we have Honor Day. Honor Day is our very special graduation. It's a more intimate um, graduation than PSU's commencement. Uh, we plan in advance for that big event. Um, we have a diverse planning committee, and it also includes graduating seniors. Next question for y'all. Um, so with the events um, of this past summer, in the summer of 2020 for the folks that are listening in the future, um, there's been a great resurgence to the forefront of like the collective minds here in the United States of the need for racial equity and social justice, um, and rightly so. Um, how is the NASCC incorporating intersectionality and Black Lives Matter into the center? And with uh, this kind of momentum going, what are some initiatives, issues, and movements that you all are working on? I can answer it. Yeah. Um, so for me, under the Cultural Resource Center umbrella, uh, I'm partnering with Court Courtney Taylor, who's the Pan-African Commons Coordinator uh, for Black History Month. And so my programming team, um, which is, you know, normally um, used for Native students and students who access the Native Center, we're financially contributing $500 towards uh, the Black History uh, Month's events. And... Um, Another thing that I've been doing for a couple years is supporting um, not only Black but other marginalized communities through my work with the Portland Committee on Community Engaged Policing. So we meet regularly with that committee. Um, we work with the mayor, police commissioner, Portland Police Bureau, and other Portland's diverse communities to ask and exchange information between the community and Portland Police Bureau to have equitable policing 
which exceeds constitutional requirements. So that's another thing that I um, kind of have the privilege of working on. And then um, PSU offered all staff the ability to read a book called Me and White Privilege. Um, so I meet with coworkers once a week and we talk about racism, the impacts on the black community, black and African communities, and how we may even be contributing to racism and not realizing it. Um, yeah. within, oh, sorry, go for it. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, add more onto that. So when we yeah. think about uh, in what may be colloquially known as Indian country, the, the uh, concepts of intersectionality is there in that, you know, within the settler colonial cons uh, nation, nation state constructs, um, those interactions with the settler state, the colonizing body um, have greatly impacted a lot of folks. I mean, the, um, right now, you know, a lot of our indigenous people's homelands are continuing to be occupied by the United States. And so we can look at how you know, in relation to oppression, other colonized people around the world, there is that connectedness that is there and acknowledging, you know, overcoming systems of oppression. And so we have to understand what that may mean. If we work towards a decoloniality, what does that look like? If we're looking at anti-capitalism, what does that look like? If we look at anti-racism, we have to see what that looks like and how it operates within these systems to uphold itself. And so, you know, an institution like um, all academic institutions are colonized institutions. And so we can have the conversation like, can a, a colonized institution be decolonized? Um, usually the answer is no. Um, but we can work towards, you know, mitigating as much harm as possible within our, our institutions and create spaces where we can, you know, not necessarily be totally impacted, you know, by the the colonizing oppressive state that we are in. And, and if in, if we are working towards the idea of solidarity, then we have to, you know, acknowledge our indoctrination into these systems of oppression. And hopefully if folks are wanting to do that self-critique and, you know, give back to the community and also understand that, you know, the idea of collectiveness versus individualism, you know, those are other aspects that divide folks up when really there is so much commonalities as us as human animals, species are very social animals. And, you know, we have to look, look at our different ways, how we deconstruct these oppressive systems. So um, that includes looking at a um, relationship to, you know, if we want to look at white supremacies on the, the social constructs of race, how that impacts indigenous thought as well, because we are, you know, in the colonization process, we still have the colonized mind. We still take on aspects of white supremacy and our understanding of what that may mean. And, you know, instead of having a cringe, a cringe approach to uh, saying, you know, just because I identify as Native American, I'm automatically put in the people of color even though that can be problematic on itself in relationship to one's um, proximity to whiteness. So those change within different um, indigenous nations, um, societal relationships. And so, um, and how that can be 
in contradiction to say their indigenous ways of knowing in their worldview in the relationship to how they see and operate with everyone not only humans but non-humans animals the land all that the interconnectedness of what that may be or the having an interrelational worldview model of the integration um, integ integration of oneself within a group within a space so yeah and and to jump into kind of what trevina was saying uh, and then kind of answer your question a little bit more um incorporating this intersectionality i suppose uh we we kind of for, for the students i work with we focus on collaborations true collaborations um we're definitely trying to push being an active participants in these other communities um since <laughs> nasec psu uh when we first started working here uh going into the past couple of months um it's very apparent that we were all very siloed off um, that's just the way the university works. So we're trying to find ways to, um, not go with that. <laughs> uh, thankfully I haven't received a whole lot of pushback. There's been a little bit, but, um, for the most part, we, I've had a lot of support and, um, that goes with, uh, students with, uh, uh, when we do our marketing efforts and social media efforts, we definitely try to reach out to other, uh, groups on campus, uh, uh, there's the uh, Pacific Islander Asian Asian American Center that we have kind of reached out with. We have a pretty good working relationship with Bree um, over there. And um, this uh, last couple of uh, weeks, we've been talking with uh, Courtney over at the uh, Pan-African Commons and trying to come up with a either event or some social media stuff that we can work with. But a lot of our work is student, and I'm very proud of this fact, is, is student produced um, so um, it, it's largely on the shoulders of the students to progress these initiatives and, and see these projects through all the way. So that means they have to be the ones to establish those communications and maintain certain relationships. I can't be the one doing their, all the work for them. Um, so we, we like seeing that. We have a very good, a very good working relationship with Indigenous Nation Studies and um, Black Lives Matter, Indigenous Solidarity, Black Liberation, they kind of move hand in hand. So when we start to not think about these silos that we're in and kind of operating as one kind of group helping each other out forward, um, things start to change a little bit. Um, so we are meeting in a native caucus and we've invited some other folks that aren't, aren't native. Um, uh, uh, Vidal, um, one of Trev Trevino's uh, colleagues join us and we've invited Courtney as well. Um, so just to have more of a collaborative active participant um, group um, really changes the mindset of this siloed community that PSU has dictated. <laughs> I thank you all for your words. I, I absolutely agree. And it was a point I was going to make later on in the episode too, about just like, right, like how the institution is so broken up into, oh, so this group is doing this thing over here and this group is doing this thing over there. And we're all doing things that support students. And I feel like what I've been hearing, like like more so now that we're stuck virtually, um, and we have to be like a little bit more intentional. I feel than we than we have in the past of you know figuring out how to like make time to like actually see each other. Is that everyone's like trying to figure out how do we break out of that and start you know collaborating more? Um, but it's really hard to do because it, it is it is set up in a way that it's we're all we're all doing our thing. Um, 
It doesn't just, have to be really hard. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, it's just starting a commu- com- uh, con- conversation. Um, and then things kind of snowball from there. I mean, I've been, and then I've been, it becomes like, oh, what do, how do we do this now? <laughs> how do we keep this going? Yeah, I, I grapple with the idea of being siloed off or uh, um, others may, fa- may say decentralized um, in that, you know, it does it does a disservice to separate folks and making those connections. I also see the other side of actually diversity of tactics is important in any kind of you know swing economic swing that the sustainability of the institution itself can survive or these things survive. Uh, unfortunately, in part of that process is a turnover of staff, and with that comes with the historical uh, memory that. Uh, what has been done before, you see it repeat over with new folks coming in. And so when we have senior staff who have been here at least five, 10 years, maybe 20 years, they, they have enough information that they can say, actually, what you're trying to do right here, that's been done before, here's where it didn't work well. Um, but they're not, uh, because the new staff, you know, they're new and they want to make changes and all that. It's, there's an interesting conflict that happens within with, within those conversation so um as much as we we're, we're seeing you know what this may mean for covid year one in the pandemic for an institution like portland state and, and other institutions uh, across the country um facing um low enrollment per year or projected or continued projections of decline of enrollment what does that mean for a lot of the initiatives that are, are funded by um many different funding, including tuition um, to support students, what does that look like going forward? As you know, uh, uh, after the great recession of the 2008, uh, are we gonna be jumping into a great depression of COVID? When, what does that mean for the relationship of the institution itself as a state institution, what the state funds going to these institutions, these initiatives to support students and, um, you know, try to uh, do the best we can. It's, it's, it's all up in the air. We're uh, as exhausting as it may be. We're, we're living through historic times. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a wait and see how things may come. And hopefully, you know, I always try to be optimistic that on the other side of this, we're going to continue to do the good work that we've been trying to do for all this time. For, for folks, just really quickly to touch on it, for folks that are like interested in, in getting involved in like initiatives or things that y'all are working on so that we can have those student, you know, bodies pushing forward um, those projects and things, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with the NASCC? Um, I would think uh, the center for sure, the NASCC at pdx.edu. Um, but also, I mean, the, don't let that stop you from sending an email to either either of us individually um also uh we do monitor our social media channels as well so yeah there's multiple ways yeah and you know yeah definitely those communication channels are great but you know going forward hopefully when we're back on campus a lot of drop-in folks too just drop in say hey what's up checking it out you know understanding that people have different ways how they engage with uh entering a community you know some folks may stand back and just observe and not say much and so we're aware of students coming in and seeking support whatever that may look like from the student perspective and their engagement 
Yeah, for almost 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 a hundred percent of the events, uh, I'd say like except and like except when they're like out uh, external clients and stuff. But for the most part, our events are open uh, to students and the public, um, and that does include catering as well. So we do have <laughs> a lot of students and and community members come in uh, for the event, but I, I feel like they uh, they definitely stock up on the catering after after afterwards. So we we rarely have leftovers, which is a good thing. I feel like that's a university constant. If there's if there's catering at a university event, it's it's everyone's who's going to be there, and it's going to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely yeah. put the message out on our Slack channel for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there was rumored of an app that was built or would be built to announce to students there's food over here. You know, because um, you know, as a institution or a business itself, there's also a lot of waste that happens with a lot of food, and which is. You have an abundance of food happening in one space, and then there's food insecurity for students who may be students and staff that may be experiencing that too. So, you know, kind of uh, making those communications possible to get everyone's needs met as best we can is hopefully folks are striving towards that. To kind of um, jump back um, into kind of my previous question, um, I feel like in an like incredibly important topic. Um, that I feel like is just now really starting to get explored um, within like the mainstream healthcare system um, and, you know, the folks that work within it um, is the impact on racism on the individual and community level of health and wellness. Um, how um, does racism against your community impact the overall health um, and wellness of your students and their families? Well, first, I think, I think it should be said that it's a bummer that now people are starting to take a look at that. Um, I mean, thankfully it's happening, but... <laughs> A little late to the late to the conversation, I suppose. Yeah, there was a, a email chain that included something from APA about apologizing for the the racism um, and colonialism that they part participated in, and so yeah, it's a uh, you know it, it, within our current time. And we might even put it in the context of going into the 21st century, the early part of the 21st century, that there, so a lot of the inequities are being addressed. And, you know, um, there, and there will be a conflict within, you know, capitalism on top of that, profiteering, um, privatizing a lot of stuff. And so for folks who might not have their material conditions met because, you know, generations of displacement, dispossession, all that, um, hopefully there's some remedy towards, you know, um, I always try to think of making th things more universal. So, you know, that would be including um, universal health care. You know, it should be a human right. Um, and also within our time right now, and it would be amazing if it happens or not, but universal basic income. Um, and we want to really do, if we want to go further down the line of what, decolonization may look like in some of the aspects that do um, oppress a lot of folks. Housing is another issue. Um, and we can see the income disparities that happen within that, or even the loss of wealth through a system that, you know, upholds itself by displacing a lot of folks, even within who are trying to work well in the system. So hopefully making those changes in that. And students um, are doing their part with that too as well, right? Um, as much as they're going through the experiences in their identity development, there's also the their understanding of the, the political economy consciousness developing as well and engaging within within that as much as they're 
able to make sense of it because it's hard to look at large systems and where to make changes. Um, but they're, they're an act, active efforts towards making those developments within themselves and then impacting communities um, when they're when they're either done with this version of their academics or going on further. But when we think about native folks going into higher ed, uh, more likely than not, they may go back to their home communities, the reservations will be impacted by uh, potential changes that they're gonna make in their own communities, not only within their family structures, extended family structures, but maybe within their own um, government relationship developments. I would just add uh, to Trevino, uh, it affects our students' self-esteem, their physical health, their ability to concentrate and do their work. So their academics and employment are affected, specifically their ability to be fully present in their classes. And while they're at the Native Center with other students, that affects their ability to connect with one another and build community. Um, yeah, I, I, and I would jump in there and add that how does racism impact overall health of students and their families? Um, directly, uh, you look at the histories of, of, of our people uh, our, our health system is, <laughs> is, is just born of that and steeped in that, um, the way that they've been moved, put around, uh, and then the government health stuff. I mean, there's so many layers that you'd have to go in through, and those are different for every, every tribe um, and every, every reservation. Um, and then on top of that, you have families coming out of those systems that aren't, aren't healthy um, because of it. And then they try to figure out their way through university and being away from home and the generational trauma that hasn't been paid attention to. And then they're forced to deal with these problems the best they can by going to health service workers that don't understand them. Um, so that that's a big, a big concern that I've heard over the past couple of years. Um, and that's, it, it's, it's difficult. There are some um, organizations here in, in Portland that do focus on certain things with students and families and um, they're doing great work. Um, but we all know and would like things to be a little bit better for sure. And, and again, I'm, I'm doing a summary that does not give the proper attention to everything that's going on. There are so many layers to that question. Um, so I guess that for the students that are here, I think they just need more understanding, more support. Um, but I don't know, it, it's, it's difficult. It, it's definitely more of a personal thing for each student. And I, I, I'm, I don't know, I hope, I hope there's a way to kind of help address some of that moving forward. Yeah, thinking about, uh, especially about students and their identity development and their under coming to terms with the social construct of race, um, we don't see it that often talked about what, what do the red people want if we're going to use those constructs. Uh, but it, that does impact a lot of students, um, especially, it, you know, it may be in their identity development, they start to feel comfortable with who they are as indigenous folks, as Native Americans or American Indians or specific group that they come from directly when they're in the classroom and they're uh, you know taking on these readings or lectures 
that may feel uncomfortable but might not have the language to you know counteract it or take it in without feeling making it feel like a, an attack so even if uh, a student may go into a general native american people's anthropological class um their how they would engage would be a little bit more defensive um because it's it's a little bit of a their own understanding and who's saying what uh, but that's also with students in general and the relationship they have with professors right um it, some of the efforts that we try to do with our students is making sure students have a relationship with their professors um and some some studies suggest when you have a good relationship with your professor um you're more likely to take in what they're saying and have a response to it and engage it than if you don't have a good relationship with the professor but what happens when you know you're being triggered by what's being presented in the classroom how does that impact the relationship with not only your, your professor but to other folks um, in the classroom or even other folks on campus um, so we're, we're we're doing that as we engage with students and hopefully for us building those relationships that they're okay to come to us to try to process some of this because you know we see the patterns over and over and we see potential strategies or whatever the coping mechanism that may be helpful helpful for students um, continue on with that. Thank you all for your answers with that. I mean, yeah, it, it, you have to do an entire class to go every, over everything that the healthcare system has wrong, uh, well, gotten wrong with pretty much every community. Um, so I, again, thank you for your responses. Um, and to kind of step off from there, um, PSU as an institution um, is starting to take small steps in the direction of being better allies to students and members um, of our community who face discrimination and disparities. Um, but as we've seen throughout history, um, if we're trying to take the approach of changing the system from within, it, it takes individuals um, working and being vocal to really push the momentum forward. Um, and even then, you know, it, it it's, a, it's a long process. Um, but um, how can individual folks who aren't a part of the community be better allies? And what can we do as a larger uh, collective PSU community to support our members um, within the NASCC community? I'll just start off by saying, uh, we welcome our allies to use the Native Center, um, build relationships with our students and us, attend our events, you can volunteer at our events, and if they have time, mentor our students. Um, I would probably go a, a step further <laughs> in that uh, if, you're, if, if you want to be comfortable, allyship, definitely. Um, uh, you can support from a distance, um, but just go beyond that active participant in these communities um, will start to change your kind of perspective and your understanding um, throwing money at a cause it's it's great and all but you're not changing your worldview whatsoever <laughs> so uh, allies and support um Come, come be an active participant, um, get to know the people here, get to know the communities, um, collaborate, true collaborations. Uh, it's great to have your event here, but what would it look like if you were to collaborate on that event? Um, I don't know, it, that, that's, a, that's a larger question. PSU is very much siloed off. Um, yeah, I, that, it's a big question. That's a really big question. <laughs> 
I think, I think about on the, the student side in building the community or engaging with the community on campus that, you know, uh, having stu some students who do have uh, or are capable of doing that kind of ambassadorship or um, building those quick relationships, bringing them into the center um, as a, you know, it's easier for a lot of folks to participate in the community if they know someone that they can go to the community with and, you know, build that familiarity or comfortability with within the space. And then it becomes for their, their understanding their own um, accountability and respectability to a, a community they might not be totally engaged with that helps having someone go with them. Um, I mean, we, we can joke around about ideas of like tour guides or whatever, uh, tourists in, a in different cultures or, you know, Indian, Indian guides to <laughs> Native, Native American communities, but, uh, yeah, the, for the most, uh, because PSU, you know, as all buildings, everyone has access to it. Um, these are opportunities for a lot of folks to engage in communities that they might not have um, experience or feel comfortable when they're done with the institution. And, you know, for a lot of folks, they're, uh, a lot of students, their engagement with the world is only with um, the university that they went to, if they're able to go to university. Other than that, they might not do all the amazing things that they did in university. So it's a great opportunity to, you know, um, engage in stuff they might not have access to. So that, that in itself is pretty amazing. And, you know, what we try to have there is a, a, that sense of home away from home. Um, have, you know, I guess we will say like good customer service with a lot of folks. Um, but, you know, be inviting as much as we can and, you know, and, and you know, be open and honest about the way things are and understanding that in in an institution educational institution that we um take folks on good faith you know so that's the inviting of a lot of folks to come check it out thank you all i appreciate the the answers to to a a very packed question but but thank you all um one thing that i feel like we've um I know myself and the group of podcasters that that work on this together that we've talked about a lot um, is the idea of like community healing. Um, and it's one thing for you know an individual to walk down like the personal path um, of of healing um, with themselves, but it also can be impactful um, to individuals on a group level. I know um, for myself with a psychology background, um, we talk about like the proof of that right within like group therapy and how that can be so much like infinitely more impactful to you know all of the individuals within the group. Um, you know, besides them just talking one-on-one -on -one to a person. Um, and I feel like we've touched on this quite often um, throughout this episode, but um, how do you all feel that the NASCC acts as like a center um, and source of healing for the community? Um, so the Native Center, for me, it's a second home and it's a second home for many of our students. So I was a student who accessed the center in undergrad and graduate school. It's a warm, friendly, student-centered environment. We usually have free food from catering events and free coffee and tea. And, you know, there are three of us staff who are provided autonomy from our supervisors to work with students one-on-one -on -one and offer a more, more of a wraparound, wrap, excuse me, wraparound approach, which, which encompasses more than supporting students um, with their academics. So, <clears throat> Um, to answer that question, 
Um, I think for the students that we work with, uh, it's definitely, uh, it becomes that home away from home for sure. Um, we have students who are very comfortable at the NASCC. They like coming there, uh, doing homework, hanging out, um, shooting the breeze with whoever's on shift at the front desk. Um, and when they use the, the space for their student group stuff. Um, but that's, that's a small percentage of the students, uh, of native students, those who check the box at PSU and trying to reach them and see what, how, how we, the NASCC can help has been a direction we have started heading into. Um, I think in the, in the past, I, I am trying to word things very carefully right now because I'm not trying to be critical of people who work there in the past. Um, but I know that we do want to move into a, a more positive and kind of that wraparound stuff that Yolanda spoke of. I think we, we, we would like to aim at that. Um, whether or not we are doing that 100%, uh, I, I hesitate to agree with that. Um, but I know that we want to get there. And when it does come together the way that we want it to, or the way that in a positive way, then it's really amazing to see. Um, but I think there's needs to be more, more, more partnerships and more support for the NASCC in that regard. Um, especially with those wraparound services, because there's only so much that Trevino can do that I can do that Yolanda's, our job descriptions kind of put us in this designated <laughs> area. Um, there, there's so much more that, that could happen. There's, there's services at, at, in, in Portland that we could definitely look at and partner with and um, start to build those programs and kind of function a little bit differently than we had, than the NASCC has had and done, done so in the past. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a whole, like I said, I, I'll go back to it. I've had nothing but support. So I just need to uh, have, we just all need to have these conversations with the people who make those decisions. Cause as much as if we, we would love to do things the way we, we think we should do, we definitely <laughs> have some uh, supervisors and bosses that make the final say. So um, I think we, right now our best path forward to something like that is to have these conversations with those who make those decisions. And um, we're starting to for sure. Yeah, um, thinking about the overall health uh, and also the institution itself, when we focus on, you know, the aspects of budget, the other aspects are um, important that we offer, you know, social, cultural, intellectual capital that we can, it's not tied to finances. Um, so freely share all that with any students who are interested and also, you know, being aware of our, our, our power positions that we are in and breaking down some of those barriers that, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm in a position where I have a certain amount of power, but you know, it's in terms of the institution itself, it's not much. Um, so having uh, folks, either students or community members acknowledge that, yeah, the, the limitations of us as workers is only so much. And so we can we address some of those concerns as best as we can but also put in the framework of what our limitations are because we know what that is. And we, we have, you know, uh, keen observations of what can be transformative 
opportunities and um, strategies to make something uh, work or function the way we want to function. I want to thank you all again um, for your time and collaboration. I feel like that that theme um, that you all echoed in terms of like we we need to collaborate more and we need to work. Um, talking with the people that are in more positions of power within the institution about like how they can support everything that everyone's trying to do because I right to the heart of it I feel like we're we're all in this to make sure that we're supporting like our 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 student community the best that we can um but right just the way that it is inherently set up is it's it's making it it feels like it's making it a lot harder than it needs to be um but all of us on our I feel like on the individual group levels are, are trying our best. So I thank you for being a part of this collaboration and taking the time to do that. I it's been it's been great, and I appreciate the conversation we were able to have around that. Um, yeah. um real really quick, uh, yeah. I also think I should acknowledge that um, the NASCC is in where is 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 at in the position where it's at because of everyone who came before us. So I am definitely benefiting from everyone else who worked there, um, the previous managers, the previous uh, uh, programming and um, uh, retention services and, and previous student staff employees for sure. So um, I don't want it to sound like I, I'm coming up with these ideas on my own, but definitely not the case. <laughs> I, I've done my research and I've had a lot of conversations with people who um, are a lot more uh, dialed into the NASCC and um, especially the Indigenous Nation Studies who holds a lot of that institutional memory, so. Yeah, I feel like that that goes for, for PSU is large and then any institution or group at all, right? Like all, all the folks that come after we're always like, oh, you did that great. But like, how can we keep pushing this further? Um, and I, I, I think that's just the nature of, of things as they, as they move along. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the What's Up podcast. We'll catch up with you on our next episode, which will be posted every Friday this term. While PSU has gone remote for the time being, we wanted to let you know that Shaq is still here for you. We are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503-725-2800. Counseling services are still available via telehealth and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number 503-725-2800. If you are looking for more health and wellness resources, you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every Wednesday, or you can download the Campus Well app. You can also check out the virtual MindSpa experience to rest, relax, and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access. We will be including website links in the episode description. We also have a Google form that you can complete with any questions about health, shack, or anything we discuss in the podcast. You can find the link in the episode description. Thanks for listening and take care. <laughs>